BCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we do thank you for listening to Crosstalk today, coming your way from the VCY American Network. Ladies and gentlemen, repeatedly throughout Scripture, we see the words remember and the admonition to not forget. I mean, often we see this with the children of Israel who had been in bondage in Egypt, and God miraculously delivered them. They, they, they had seen the plagues poured out on Egypt while they were protected. They saw God part the Red Sea as they crossed on dry ground. They saw God provide food for them. But they grumbled, they complained, and they forgot. As a matter of fact, they had a very short memory when Moses went up to uh, to Mount Sinai to receive the law. In less than 40 days, after seeing all of these miracles that God had done, it's recorded in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, and they said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. You know, we don't know what's become of this guy here. Look how fast they were to destroy their past, to forget their past, and what God had done for him. And folks, let me also just mention in the New Testament, as Paul penned his last book, Second Timothy, warning Timothy of the perilous times in the last days. And he told Timothy, he said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He's telling Timothy to remember these important truths that he was taught early in life. What had happened in the past is critical to keep you strong now and to propel you into the future. Well, our guest today uh, has penned a piece that I felt important to bring to you, uh, some commentary, and uh, borrowing a phrase, losing our future by destroying our past. We'll break that down for you today. Jerry Newcomb is with us, Executive Director of Providence Forum. It's a division of D. James Kennedy Ministries. He's also senior producer and on-air host at D. James Kennedy Ministries, the author or co-author of numerous books, including The Book That Made America, How the Bible Framed Formed Our Nation, uh, George Washington's Sacred Fire, and American Amnesia, Is America Paying the Price for Forgetting God, the Source of Our Liberty? Jerry, thanks for joining us today here on Crosstalk. Thank you, Jim. Great to be with you. Uh, Before we look at what's happening in our contemporary society, there are so many illustrations from Scripture about the need to remember the past, because this past is important to our future, is it not? Oh, absolutely. And I I think your uh, quotation, or or citation, rather, of the children of Israel and their forgetfulness uh, of God's providence is, is a perfect one. In fact, in Numbers 11, there was a situation where they were complaining because they didn't like what they were eating. They were just getting so sick of the manna that God was providing every day. And then they, and then they said this. They said, and didn't we have it great in, in Egypt where we ate for free? And then they listed a whole bunch of good foods that they missed. And, you know, when you look at that, and they, they ate for free? Are you kidding me? They were in bondage. They were in slavery. Mm-hmm. And they had forgotten how God had liberated them uh, through his servant Moses. By the way, you were just talking a moment ago about the uh, golden calf, and I just mentioned in a sun- my Sunday school class the other day that particular passage. I said this is the first time that we find a reference to evolution in the Bible. And it's at the, at the end of that chapter, what happens is Moses is very angry with his brother Aaron, rightfully so, about the... Uh, golden calf, and, and then Aaron basically makes an excuse oh, yeah. along the lines of, well, I asked the people to give me their gold, yeah. we put it into the pot, I just stirred the pot, and boom, voila, out yeah. comes this, uh, this golden calf, and yeah. who knew? Yeah, that's <laughs> the, yeah. It just, you know, it just evolved. Uh, Jerry, I know you're well familiar in, in uh, so much of the uh, scriptures and, and situations in the Old Testament, but there was times in which God did something very momentous uh, for the people, and and uh, they would gather stones, stack them in a particular place, so that when yes. future generations would come along, they'd say, you know, what meaneth these stones? And it was a platform then to recount what God has done. The, these stones are really important. Yes. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. And today in modern America, we see situations where people, you know, young people who have no idea who these people are necessarily, are trying to tear down statues mm-hmm. uh, as if all these people were racist or something like that. And in fact, <laughs> there was a time back when there was a, all that statue toppling about two years ago, it, you know, when there were all those different protests and so forth. And anyway, at one point, Supposedly, in the name of fighting some, you know, uh, fighting racism or allegations of racism and so forth, they tore down a statue of uh, Frederick Douglass. And you know, the confrontation came. You know, hey, that's a. Don't you realize this is a man that was an abolitionist? I mean, come on. Mm, yes, know? yes. They've they've they've, they've cited uh, or they've they've torn down statues of Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, Father Junipero Serra, who was the virtual founder of California, uh, the settler, not not of the state, but of the whole colony, which became the state. He's the one who created all those missions, including Los Angeles and San Francisco and San Diego oh, and so wow. forth. And they, they tore down his statue. So there's been a lot of uh, iconoclasm when it comes to American history. And by the way, just a quick thought. Or, or a question for you. Do you know who the number one victim was of the statue toppling? Which statue, whose statue did they go after the most? Would you guess? Probably Washington or Lincoln. Actually, uh, the answer is Christopher Columbus. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, and which, you know, and I've asked people about that. Why would that be? Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, well, you know, Columbus is the one who introduced the ideas of the Europeans over into the Americas. And kind of almost along the lines of, well, before the Europeans came, America was this ideal place and so yep. forth. Well, yep. you know, there's no question that bad things happened uh, to, you know, many of the people that were here uh, by the colonists that came, certainly some of them, and that's especially true in Latin America with the, the latifundios and so forth. But, but uh, there's a big difference, you know, where constitutional type government that was being practiced by by many of the peaceful colonists some of you know the the pilgrims uh, the the puritans the quakers the you know and so forth that came they were applying christian principles um they for example they treated the native americans in very positive ways and so forth but but going back to christopher columbus in effect what what the the people have done that that have totally rewritten Christopher Columbus and and made him from a hero into a villain. They blamed him for everything bad that happened in the wake of Christopher Columbus's uh, voyage and so forth. But Columbus was a hero. I mean, even fifty years ago, you know. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Uh, America has been. Unfortunately, there's this uh, Marxist that an historian who died in 2010. Uh, named Howard Zinn, and he wrote, uh, you know, he kind of rewrote America's history and did so much of this revisionism and so forth. And there's a terrific book. I've interviewed the author. If you haven't talked to her, she'd be a great guest for you. Mary Graber, G-R-A-B-A-R, Dr. Mary Graber. She's even been a lecturer for years at uh, Emory University, and she wrote a great book called Debunking Howard Zinn. And then she also wrote a new book along the same lines, but Debunking the 1619 Project. Mm-hmm. But basically what's happened is Marxists, who, uh, you know, hate God, they hate capitalism and so forth, they've rewritten American history, and so many of our true heroes of the past are now villains, and I think that's awful. Even Abraham Lincoln. Yeah is not safe from some of these people, you know, and George Washington sacrificed so much uh, to, you know, so that America could be could become mm-hmm. free. Yes, he was a slave owner, but he was fourth generation slave owner in a day where slave owning was, you know, was very common in different places. And we're going to be Fascinatingly, mm-hmm. George yeah. Washington broke the cycle. By the time he died, he freed his slaves. Yes. 
And it's a fantastic legacy. We're going to be looking more at that as well. But, Jerry, you've been writing a long time. You've been warning about this this effort underway to destroy our past as a nation, uh, the pulling down of statues, the, the rewriting of curricula, which we'll be getting into, uh, changing the narrative in history, uh, you know, through television specials, uh, the, the renaming of schools and libraries and military installations, many ways in which this is being done. But, Jerry, comment what is your concern? Why why are you raising the alarm on this issue? Why is this such an important thing to grasp hold of? Well, I think it's the it's the freedom that we enjoy. These these freedoms that we enjoy did not just come in a vacuum. In in fact, you mentioned that that book, American Amnesia, which is essentially you know several of my columns and so forth. And I remember one of those columns. I, I talked about this. It was in 2018 that I wrote this. I went and visited the. Smithsonian Museum, the one that was dedicated to American history. And the overall overwhelming feeling one got was a very negative narrative. It was like, you know, whatever was wrong in American history, they seemed to highlight that. And I remember even the section about World War II, the the first thing that you saw in terms of America and World War II was in reference to the Japanese uh Americans who were interned, and and that was a terrible chapter. You know, even FDR was you know was responsible or part of the you know push behind that because they weren't sure if you know who was spies and who weren't and and so forth. And and the Supreme Court even visited that issue and and basically made uh, restitution for these Japanese Americans who were still alive and so forth. So it was an ugly chapter, no question. But what about the sacrifice of all those American soldiers? who left this country and served on the battlefields of, of uh, Europe or of Japan or the islands surrounding Japan. My goodness. Anyway, here's the bottom line about that column. I was, I was just struck at how, how negative this whole liberal Marxist approach to America has, has been. And meanwhile, you've got all these people at the southern border, even back then in 2018, now back then there were better, you know, uh, measures to keep it, you know, keep the border from being porous. But even then, people wanted to get in, and I said, "Hey, what they got to do is just have all these people from the Smithsonian go down there to the southern border and tell all those people who are trying to get into this country, hey, listen, America stinks. America has always stunk. Hmm. You ought to turn around and, you know, get back home before it's too late. You know, don't try and come here. But you see, what happened is the founders created this nation where we have self-rule under God. I mean, that's the essence of America in two phrases, self-rule under God. And in recent days... Uh, so many of the uh, the teachers unions and so forth they they're they're they have, they don't believe in God or they don't believe in you know uh, the the Christian founding of America and, and the ways in which the founders did believe that our rights come from the Creator. I mean that's the essence of America is the Creator is the source of our rights. Mm-hmm. But you, you take away the Creator. And ultimately, you lose those rights. And I'll tell you, Patrick Henry, one of our great founding fathers, said it so well. He said, it is when a people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. Wow. Wow. We're going to take a quick break here. Jerry Newcomb is with us, Executive Director of Providence Forum. It's a division of D. James Kennedy Ministries. And uh, talking on an article that he wrote, uh, Losing Our Future by Destroying Our Past. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about something called the 1619 Project. Are you familiar with it, friends? We'll tell you more after the break. This is Crosstalk. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, when we look at humanity, where do all the different skin colors come from? Chris, of course, all our traits are controlled by our genes, and they've always been quite mysterious. Now, as the human genome has been decoded, the mystery of the origin of skin color has not been solved. We can't figure out what controls the genes. Evidently, there's something behind the genes that turns them on and off and controls how long they operate. Here at the Institute for Creation Research, we're researching this, and I predict that many of these plaguing problems will soon be solved. One thing for certain, it won't be solved by claiming the genes randomly mutated. 
They were created by an intelligent designer, the designer that's mentioned back in Genesis. To find out more about creation science, visit us on the web at www.icr.org. That's www.icr.org. Turn to Crosstalk on VCY America. You know, we see this word remember throughout Scripture. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. We're told that in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, we're told even, uh, you know, in, in the New Testament, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. We need to remember the, the attachment she had to the world. We need to go back and remember these things from the past. Uh, the, the Scripture tells us in John chapter, um, I believe it's 15, the things that were written aforetime, written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Uh, certainly, to uh, we see our past being destroyed today, and uh, the influence this has upon our future as well. Uh, somebody once said, one of the things we we learn from the past is that we don't learn from the past. Um, Jerry Newcomb is with us today, Executive Director of Providence Forum, and uh, talking about this very important issue. He has written on it uh, repeatedly in his writings and uh, many columns that he writes. Um, Jerry, if you would tell us about the 1619 Project. Okay. This, first of all, is an, uh, a group that has the uh, backing of the New York Times, which gives it a lot of uh, prestige and so forth, uh, in liberal circles, of course. But anyway, um, there, the 1619 Project was created about three or four years ago, and the purpose of it was to say that America's real beginnings are not 1776, when the founders declared independence from Britain and dependence upon God in the Declaration of Independence, uh, but rather the real birth of America is 1619, which is when, in Jamestown, which was founded, by the way, in 1607, 1619 was when the first African slaves were brought over uh, to America. And... What happened there in Jamestown in 1619 with with the slaves coming in, uh, you know, was a terrible chapter led, of course, to slavery in America. But the uh, whole idea and the whole push of the 1619 Project is that the slaves were responsible for building the whole country, that the whole, you know, there would be no America without the slaves and so forth. And it's like, wait a minute, um, what, what makes America what it is isn't because of slavery. It was despite slavery. Mm-hmm. I mean, slavery was not consistent with the ideals that the founders were creating, you know, when they uh, created the uh, Declaration of Independence, for example, which says that, that we are uh, endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are the right to life, the the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness and so forth. All men are created equal, says our founding document, the Declaration. And so slavery was inconsistent with the Founders' vision. But what the 1619 Project is saying is that, oh, no, 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 America was all about slavery. And in fact, they even said in an earlier iteration, I believe that they kind of backpedaled on this point, but they actually tried to say that uh, they did say that <laughs> that the a revolution was fought fought in order to uphold the right to own slaves. That's just so ignorant. Uh, let me give an example. 1774. Okay, two years before we declared independence from Great Britain and dependence upon God, the founders in Virginia. The House of Burgesses, this included George Washington, this included Thomas Jefferson, George Mason, uh, they declared uh, or they created something called the Fairfax Resolves. The Fairfax Resolves. And part of the, the Fairfax Resolves is they wanted to stop the slave trade, no more importation of slaves, and they wanted to basically end slavery there in Virginia. The The king... King George III uh, said, no, you can't do that. So that, that was, he put the kibosh on that, that plan. In the meantime, in the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson actually had uh, a lengthy section about slavery that was cut out, and the gist of it was to denounce 
slavery. So he he actually wanted to you know denounce that. Now what what happens today is the liberals will say, oh yeah, but Jefferson owned slaves. And in my column, I quoted Dennis Prager of Prager U, who basically said the point that Jefferson, you know, was a hypocrite on on this particular, you know, the the policies that he, uh, you know, enunciated. Well, there's a lot of hypocrisy to go around, but here's the bottom line: Did Jefferson help create the nation in which the slaves would one day be free? That's the real question. What kind of nation did Jefferson help create? And the answer is yes, he did help create that that nation, built on that foundation that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Yes, the promise uh, of, of America came later for some, and that's a, a great tragedy, but it's a, it's a great blessing to, to all that it did come. And uh, we, we, as the founder said in the Constitution, we are striving to, you know, form an ever more perfect union. And, um, you know, but what's happening today is a lot of the Marxists, the liberals, the people who promote the 1619 Project and things like it, what they want to do is essentially tear America down as founded. There's a war. There is a war on America as founded. They want to tear it down. And then what would they replace it with? Uh, Some sort of Marxist utopian? That is a perfect phrase to use because the word utopian uh, is derived from the Greek, and topia means place, like topical place, that's a reference to place, and you before a word in Greek means nothing. It, it doesn't exist. The, utopia is a place that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And a Marxist utopian is indeed a place that doesn't exist because I'll tell you what, Jim, you point to me anywhere in the world where Marxism has been put into practice, mm-hmm. and it has ended up in, in disaster for everybody, except for the, the very, 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 very elite, the less than 1% that you know, are at the very top. In fact, I'm looking right now at the Black Book of Communism. It's a book published by Harvard University Press, 1999. I own a copy. Real big, thick book written at the very end of the 20th century, and it, it uh, showed how the communists just killed... <laughs> millions and millions and millions in the 20th century. Uh, And so, you know, as one former communist, or actually was socialist, uh, he was the president, in fact, at one point of the Young Socialists of America, Joshua Mervchik, he wrote a book called Heaven on Earth, and it's all about socialism and communism. Mm -hmm. And he said they were trying to make heaven on earth, and, you know, at, at the end, you know, they basically if you will, they created Hades on Earth. You know, let, let, you know, let me just say this, and matter of fact, folks, the 1619, you know, teachings, It's there are curriculums that are being rewritten to teach yes. this in the schools. But as you're talking here, Jerry, my mind goes to these communist goals that were written uh, into the congressional record back in 1963, and let me just read a few of those because they're just yes. highlighting what you're talking about. Here's number 17. Get control of the schools, use them as transmission belts for socialism, and current uh, communist propaganda, soften the curriculum, get control of teachers' associations, put the party line in textbooks. Here's number 22. Uh, continue discrediting American culture by degrading all forms of artistic expression, eliminate all good sculpture from parks and buildings, substitute shapeless, awkward, and meaningless forms. I've got three more I'm going to read here. Number 28. Eliminate prayer or any uh, phrase of religious expression in the schools on the ground that violates the principle of separation of church and state. Number 30. Discredit the American founding fathers present them as selfish aristocrats who had no concern for the common man. And number 31 here, belittle all forms of American culture and discourage the teaching of American history on the ground that it was only a minor part of the big picture, give more emphasis to Russian history since the communists took over. I mean, you were just talking about communism, socialism, and these are goals that are being realized across America today. You know, there were two... Uh, communists that uh, it was a hu- husband and wife team, the Genovese, Fox Genovese, it was a hyphenated name. And anyway, when the Soviet Union finally collapsed in 1991, thereabouts, uh, thereabouts, this, this husband and wife team were quoted in the National Review, the magazine, fo- you know, founded by Bill Buckley. And they said, wow, 
when it all collapsed, the, the whole Soviet Union, what did they have to show for 70 years of communism? And they said all they had to show for it. These, these were basically, you know, disillusioned former communists, former fellow travelers, and they said all they had to show for it was tens of millions of corpses. Hmm. Wow, what yeah. a powerful, powerful statement. It's true. Look at America in contrast. Now, America far, far from perfect. No question about that. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. You know, I agree with that prayer in, in, that, in that hymn. But bottom line is, people risk their lives. Even this very day, people at different parts of our border are trying to risk their lives to come here so that maybe, just maybe, they might get a chance uh, to, to enjoy the freedoms that theoretically we, you know, enjoy here in America. Now, what, I'm telling you, at the end of the day, you know, you were asking earlier, why does this whole battle over history matter? It matters because the future is at stake. If this present trend continues, if the leftists, uh, you know, are, are completely successful in just essentially, you know, expurgating our past, we are at risk. It's, it's like the book 1984. And by the way, that phrase, losing our uh, future. Fu- future by destroying our past, that is, as I point out in my column, that is the subtitle of an excellent book called Erasing America by James S. Robbins, an historian. He's written a lot, by the way, for USA Today and so forth. But he wrote this book. A, a few years ago, decrying this, this you know, this purging of our of our past, our American past. It, you know what it's kind of like? It's it's sort of like in the late 1960s when the, uh, the they had the Cultural Revolution in China, and they would denounce you know anybody with anything, and you know it, it was just they they were basically trying to purge their entire past. And start all over again. It's just, it's terrible. I don't see why we can't learn from the lessons from what happened in the 20th century when you look at Marxism and communism and what it brought. Everywhere they went, the, the people lost their freedom, and in many cases, they lost their lives. Religious freedom was one of the first things to go because the communists can't stand the idea of God because they believe the state is God. And, uh, I'm reminded of a poem from British uh, poet Steve Turner. He said, history repeats itself. It has to. No one is listening. Well, well. Jerry Newcomb is with us here today. Again, he's executive director of Providence Forum, and uh, that's a division of D. James Kennedy Ministries. Um, There are many who would believe, Jerry, that, uh, and you write this in your column, without question, chattel slavery is a horrific evil, but it's often treated by revisionist historians as if America invented it. America did not invent slavery. You know, actually, in a longer version of the column, uh, where I, I actually fleshed that out even, because Tim Kaine who is senator from Virginia, liberal. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the vice president of candidate for uh, candidate Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, he actually said that. He said America invented slavery. My, and it's like, my. what? What is he talking about? In fact, in my um, Tell you Foundation what, let, of American Liberty series, uh, I did an interview with Walter Williams. Now he has since died since that interview, but he's on tape talking about this, and I quote him in that column, where basically he says, mankind's fair. From the, you know, slavery has been with mankind from the very beginning. The important point to note is how the Western world spent tremendous resources to uproot slavery. We'll be back in a minute. This is Crosstalk. The New England Primer was introduced in Boston in 1690 by Benjamin Harris. It was the first textbook printed in America. For a century after its introduction, it was the beginning textbook for students, and until well into the 20th century, it continued to be a principal text in all types of American schools. The founders, as well as millions of other Americans, learned to read from the New England Primer and the Bible. The core of the Primer is its rhyming alphabet, such as for letter A, in Adam's fall, we send all. The letter G, as runs the glass, 
Man's Life Doth Pass. It also included lessons for youth, Bible questions, and a shorter catechism. A pocket-sized hardcover edition of this 1777 historical reprint is available for a donation of $9 or more by calling VCY at 1-800-729-9829. Ask for the New England Primer. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Jerry Newcomb is with us today, Executive Director of Providence Forum. It's a division of D. James Kennedy Ministries, and uh, he writes columns. He has uh, also uh, produced this Foundation of America series. Uh, Jerry, uh, before I get into other questions, just give us a word about uh, how our listeners can get more information about your work, what you're doing, and, and how they can even get more information on topics like these. Providenceforum.org. And in fact, in reference to the Foundation of American Liberty series, there's even a whole page where I have major portions of these, some of the segments that have already rolled out. Uh, it, when it's all finished, it'd be like seven full-length documentaries dealing with America's Christian roots. Um, the Pilgrims, George Washington, uh, the city on a hill, uh, endowed by the Creator, We the People, and road to independence and so forth. So it's a whole series. And, and bottom line is, uh, you know, our, our concern is to tell a whole new generation of Americans, mm-hmm. you know, what's right about America, what we got right. And the great thing about it is that, you know, the founders created a system whereby things could be rectified. Mm-hmm. For example, when they created the Constitution, they made it so that it can be amended. But they also made it in a difficult way. It's it's a difficult thing to amend the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So it's not something you just do willy-nilly. Yep. Um, and so, see, here's the bottom line, Jim. And this is where the communists went wrong. This is where all the humanists go wrong. Human nature. They don't understand it. The Founding Fathers did understand human nature because they believed the Bible. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. James Madison, the key architect of the Constitution, said, all men having power ought not to be trusted. The Founding Fathers, building on a biblical base, divided power. They were very careful about this. It's like one of the guests in our special said, every line in the Constitution said Madison was kind of like a trade-off between liberty and power. It's an interesting point, but it's it's very, very true uh, that, uh, you know, if you, if you believe that man is good and you basically think, okay, all we've got to do is tear down the system and then create this new system, like the communists tried to do, and then, you know, as as Marx put it, naively, when the workers seize the, the, you know, all the levers of government, and then all the property is owned uh, jointly, you know, communally in, in this communism, then paradise will have arrived. You know, we will, we will have achieved the workers' paradise, and government will even just wither away of its own accord, because, in effect, the millennium will have come. And instead of the millennium, they brought nothing but, you know, murder, death, mayhem, and so forth. But the founders, you know, recognizing that uh, God has given us the right to private property, but they also recognize that man is sinful, and so power must be divided. And uh, so if you really want to understand America's founding, one of the best sources to read is the Federalist Papers, where they explain so well uh, why the Constitution is the way it is. Mm. You know, if men were angels, then government wouldn't even be necessary. But men are not angels, right. so therefore government is necessary. But wait a minute, the government is run by men, and men are not angels. Well, then we not only have to protect ourselves from our fellow citizens through government, but we also have to protect ourselves from the government, since the government is run by men and men are not angels. I mean, this is really brilliant stuff, but this is why the United States uh, Constitution has been so durable almost 250 years later. And it's built, of course, on the premise, of the it's predicated on the truths in the Declaration of Independence. So together, our two founding documents give us one nation under God, and this is uh, you know, the the source of our liberty is our Judeo-Christian heritage. Mm-hmm. The state doesn't give us our rights. 
God does. You know, Jerry, founders recognize that. You, you mentioned that's why we succeed. You mentioned a few times in our interview today. You quoted endowed by our Creator, and I, I just my my mind goes back to January twenty twenty three, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which praise the Lord has been overturned. But Vice President Kamala Harris was speaking to yes. a pro abortion crowd. I'm just yes. going to re have us re listen to how she distorts our nation's past. Here is the clip. America is a promise. America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty. Not for some, but for all. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Be clear, these rights were not bestowed upon us. They belong to us as Americans. Well, Jerry, she's got some things right, but a lot of things wrong there, too, because uh, she certainly left off that uh, word endowed by our creator, for instance, and somehow missed the right to life. You and I are having this discussion because the the column I wrote last week caught your attention. At the very time she gave that speech, I actually did a whole column about that. And and basically, as I recall, the title was No Creator, No Rights. Hmm. Because if you remove the creator then you remove the source of those rights. Yeah. And John F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy said in his inaugural address, you know, that uh, our forebears, you know, knew and understood that our rights came not from the generous hand of the state, but rather from God. And that's the essence of the American experiment. And the American experiment will fail in the long run if more people believe and get on the train to follow the, 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 the thinking of what the vice president said in that. I hope she'll see the error of her ways. But I think there's, there's been this sort of uh, undermining God as the source of our rights for a long time now, or undermining God in the public arena. And uh, so it's, uh, as I say, this, this battle over, you know, one nation under God is not just, an academic battle. It's a it's a battle over what's America going to be like, you know, in the future mm-hmm. with this. Take even the example example of abortion. She was there to promote abortion rights, and honestly, when you look at it, I just did a commentary on this today, and I was talking about slavery and how people look back at, at, at you know the founding fathers, and they look back at people who who had slavery with horror and so forth, how are future generations going to look back at us when we had modern technology which documents through science the humanity of the unborn and we allowed tens and tens of millions of little babies, you know, uh, pre-born babies to be uh, killed, slaughtered in abortion I, I think that's a very unhumanitarian stance, the yes. pro-abortion yeah. stance is. And I think that, you know, future generations will look back at us with horror, you know, in, in as much as anybody, you know, accepts these abortion rights, uh, the, the way we look back at those who, let's say, uh, you know, were okay with slavery back then. Jerry Newcomb, our guest here today on Crosstalk, our telephone number 800-733-9829. Taking your questions, your brief comments, 1-800-733-9829. Jerry, let me ask, what what role, what responsibility do parents have in in light of all of this? What role, what responsibility does the church have in light of all of this? Well, uh, first of all, uh, when it comes to education, the Word of God, of course, tells us that the parents will be held responsible for the children's education. Now, of course, if the parents choose to delegate that uh, authority to the schools and to the teachers and so forth, you know, the teachers were always historically understood to be in parental loco or, you know, in the place of the parents. And uh, now we are at a situation where uh, a lot of these educational 
authorities and so forth think that they know better than the parents mm-hmm. what should be taught in the schools. In some cases, they're even going behind the parents' backs in, in what they're promoting. In fact, my, my column this week uh, is actually all about parents and education, you know, who's really in charge of, of the children. So I think this battle is an extremely important one. As far as the church is concerned, I think that, uh, again, going back to the American experience, the church played a huge role in society, and uh, it, it, it helped create the United States of America. I mean, a lot of the original settlements and colonies were uh, effectively church, uh, you know, relocation projects, if you will. And let me give an example. The pilgrims were one particular congregation that uh, felt that they just could not worship and function properly as, as Christians, you know, the way things were being forced on them in England. And, you know, they were a separatist colony, or a separatist church. In other words, they, they, they separated from the Church of England, and so they were persecuted because of that. And so eventually they were able to come to America. They relocated, though, first from uh, England, then to Holland, where they were for about 10 or 11 years. At least there they were tolerated, but it was very difficult. And then finally with the threat of Spain maybe taking over Holland or invading it, uh, they decided to relocate to America, and they were able to do so. And as D. James Kennedy once noted, America began as a church relocation project. And in as much as the pilgrims helped found America, that observation is absolutely mm-hmm. true. And in fact, in our documentary, Dennis Prager says, the pilgrims, for all intents and purposes, founded America. And so there's there's a lot to be said for that. A lot of these churches were the ones founding these particular mm-hmm. colonies. Could I give a quick example? Uh, very quickly. Yep. Another one? Okay. To this day, Connecticut likes to call itself the Constitution State. That's because the first fully developed Constitution written on American soil was the Fundamental Orders of Connecticut. It was basically a Constitution developed from a sermon based on Deuteronomy 1 by the founder of Connecticut, Thomas Hooker, back in 1638. He preached a sermon in 1639. They wrote up the, the Fundamental Orders of Connecticut, which talks about the purity and the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That's the reason for the settlement. And to this day, that document uh, you know, is, is respected because of its influence on the American Constitution that was to come later. Hmm. So churches... Back in, you know, around the time of the settling and even the time of the founding era of America in the 1760s, 1770s, 1780s, they played a much more uh, robust role in society and helping to, you know, shape the tenor and so forth and the moral uh, fiber and so forth. As John Adams put it, our second president, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Indeed. Jerry Newcomb with us here today, and we're less than a half minute to the break, so we'll take the break. We'll come back to your phone call, so uh, callers still uh, stay online there. Our phone number is 800-733-9829. Jerry Newcomb is with us, and again, the website, providenceforum.org. That's providenceforum.org, and you can check more into that uh, Foundation of America series and much other information there on the site as well. Dealing with the topic today, losing our future by destroying our past, back in a minute here on Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Today, a little different commentary. We just released a brand new 30-minute show that is nothing but, well, a piano and my singing the classic hymns. But first, I tell the story behind each hymn. I'm finding that more and more Christians and even those who are unchurched or have walked away from the church, they're looking for hope. They're looking for a message of hope and reassurance. I think we can take the classic hymns and turn them into an opportunity of ministry, but also evangelism. 
I've been shocked over the last, well, 24 hours since releasing that first broadcast, how many people are emailing us that have said, I walked away from the faith, I've left the church. But hearing those stories and songs again from my childhood, it's got me decided to return once again to exploring the truth of the Christian faith. Let's take the opportunity with all the craziness in the world to offer the biblical hope that can be found in the lives and testimonies of great hymns and their authors. I'm Brandon House. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. With us today is Jerry Newcomb. Again, he is Executive Director of Providence Forum, which is a division of D. James Kennedy Ministries. And uh, taking your calls here today on Crosstalk, we're going to begin in Gregory, South Dakota. Wayne, thanks for holding you on the air. Hi, thank you. Uh, this is, uh, you know, the fact that Marxism has infected many segments of our society is undeniable. I think most people can agree if they study what's going on. And here's what former Russian commissary of education declared, we hate Christians and Christianity. Even the best of them must be considered our worst enemies. They preach love of one's neighbor and mercy, which is contrary to our principles. Christian love is an obstacle to the development of the revolution. Down with love of our neighbor. What we want is hate. Only then can we conquer the universe. Isn't that lovely, huh? That's, that's what we're fighting, though, nowadays in America. So, yeah, Sir, could you um, uh, send that uh, quote to, in an email to the host of this show? Because I'd like to see that and, and know well, that. Can, That's fantastic. I quoted that out of The Naked Communist by W. Oh, okay, Skousen. Cleon Skusen. He's probably got the book. Or knows uh, the, what, okay, what's the, na- the last name of the guy you quoted? S-K-O-U-S-E-N. Skusen, I believe, pronunciation. No, 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 that's the name of the author. What's the name of the guy oh, you oh, quoted? Oh, 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 you say who I quoted. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, his name was Anatoly Lunacharsky. He was a former Russian commissar of education. Anatoly Luna... Lunar, L-U-N-A-R-C-H-A-R-S-K-Y. Charsky. Lunar Charsky. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the call. Great. Julie in Pensacola, Florida, you're on the air. Uh, yes, I wanted to highlight something that um, Vice President Harris had said concerning the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and she does not know what liberty means. When I homeschooled my son with the Abaca curriculum, they taught the real meaning of liberty, and that is the freedom to do what is right. And abortion is not the right thing to do, and she's misplacing the whole concept of liberty. And it's sort of like the Bible verse when she when we're when we think of the blind leading the blind, and she's causing our country, many p- people in our country, to be blind hmm. because she's blind. Okay. We really need the Lord. We do need the Lord. Thank you for that Amen. comment. Uh, we've got to Rick next in Wisconsin. You're on the air. Hi. I want to thank you, gentlemen, both for making this forum uh, open to be able to speak. I wanted to share this, that from Europe, the problem, uh, we we came here to escape spiritual teaching we didn't agree with, for one thing. And uh, that came over here. That followed us over here. And then, uh, like in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrews did not want to be corrected by the prophets. Well, that followed us here, too, into the New Testament. And there's things like with... with political correctness that go way back uh, hundreds of years. For instance, uh, when we when we uh, relate to our Heavenly Father, the Bible does say God the Father. When we relate to the Son, the Bible do- never does say God the Son, but it does say Son of God. Mm-hmm. When we relate to the Holy Spirit— the Bible never does say Holy Spirit of God, but it does say, it It never does say... Yeah, I tell you what, and I don't know where you're going with all this, Rick, but Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is God uh, in all of this, but uh, this whole aspect of uh, political correctness and biblical correctness 
is an important issue, and and we need to get back to the foundations of Scripture itself. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so we have to— Could I just add something real fast? The settlers and the founders of America came for freedom of religion. Mm -hmm. And what's happening today is that a lot of seculars today are trying to impose freedom from religion. The one, freedom of religion, allows disagreement even among religious people, but the freedom from religion— essentially just uh, rewards and sanctions atheism or unbelief. Thank you for the call. Gina in Queens, New York, you're on the air. Oh, hi. Um, I just wanted to call in to offer maybe a different perspective. Um, I have to disagree with a lot of this conversation, respectfully disagree. Um, I am a middle school government teacher. Um, and while I, you know, can clearly see that the man you have on your show, I forget his name, Jeffrey, Jerry, um, he obviously knows his stuff, but it seems to me like he's portraying a very one-sided narrative of the founders. Okay, so give us a, um, we're, we're, just one moment, Gina, we're, we're two minutes left in the program, so just give us one issue that you said that he's wrong on, and we'll have him respond to it. Sure. Um, Well, I guess my main issue is he's saying that the founding documents are saying, you know, all men are created equally, and how great is that? That's the complete opposite of slavery. Well, what he's leaving out is that even though that's the technical wording, the the men that were created equal um, in the the founders' minds based on their actions and many laws that followed did not include women, did not include minorities, did not include African Americans for a very long time. The truth of the matter is that our country has no official religion. We do not have to be Christian if we don't want to. And actually, the most beautiful part of our country, and I would hope that Jeffrey would agree with this, is that I have every single right to disagree with you and teach my students a very different narrative. Okay, thank you for the call. Jerry is the name of the guest today. And Jerry, we're down to about 60 seconds here. What would you want to say back here to, uh, to our caller? Well, I would say that it's certainly true that there is no established religion in America, and that's the way the founders wanted it, and that's great. That gives us the freedom to believe. But they did so in a framework that acknowledged God as the source of our rights. If you remove belief in God as the source of our rights, then we end up ultimately with no rights. That's my main point. And so uh, I think I'm on very strong ground there, and it's certainly true that the promise of America came slowly for some groups. You know, as Martin Luther King Jr. put it so well, that he said the Founding Fathers gave us a promissory note when they said all men are created equal, and now we're cashing in on that promissory note. And they were able to cash in on that. And there's been progress that's been made that's tremendous. Now, but, uh, you know, people are getting away from Dr. King and his vision about, you know, we should... Judge people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. But all of the freedoms we have get back to God. And when the founders recognize that and enshrined that in our founding documents, that is part of what helped make America uh, an exceptional nation. Gina, thank you for the call. I wish we had more time to interact. Our closing theme is already playing, though. And thank you. And certainly we apologize to other people on hold here as well that we did not get to your phone calls. Jerry Newcomb with us. Jerry, thanks for being with us. Thank you. And again, folks, the website, ProvidenceForum.org. Thanks for joining us on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.